BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the show. This week's guest is Allison McNamara. She is a former TV host and producer and the founder of Mara Beauty, an incredible clean skincare brand. So funny story here. A few weeks ago, I was having dinner with one of my friends and she was telling me that I should really interview Allison McNamara, who's a friend of hers. And I was telling her that, yeah, definitely I'd love to, you know, I've heard great things about Mara Beauty magically, two weeks later, her team reaches out to me and wants to schedule an interview. So I just love serendipitous stories like that. And it's happened so many times throughout this podcast that it's just, it's wild to think of. And so when we were in studio, um, I was telling Allison about the whole thing because she had no idea that I'd met with this mutual friend of ours. So really, really cool. Such a small world. So let's talk about this episode specifically. Allison is a firecracker. She's smart as a whip. Her, you know, her stories from her past life as a TV producer and host is they're just so funny. She has all these incredible run-ins with celebrities and just really, really funny stories throughout this whole episode. And you guys are going to love her. She's also really, I feel like she has a lot of grit because it's not easy to succeed in media and make a name for yourself. And she certainly has. So you're going to learn a lot from her. Mara Beauty, on the other hand, which she founded a few years ago, has done incredibly well. I don't know if you guys caught it, but Hailey Bieber talked about one of her um, cleansing oils and we get into the whole thing during today's interview, but it's a great story about how she started the brand, why it's different and an insight into what it takes to start a beauty brand as well. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Before we dive into the show, let's talk about this week's hot tip. So I want to talk about eye masks for sleeping. I mean, I feel like ever since I started using one, I want to say like five, six years ago, my quality of sleep has improved so much, but it can't be any old mask. That's the thing. You can't just put like a cloth mask on your eyes because it rubs around your eyes when you're sleeping and you really just want to be gentle with that area. So I personally am obsessed with my slip eye mask and it's a silk eye mask. It's so gentle around your eyes. I actually just got gifted their um, pillowcase as well by one of my friends, which I'm so excited to use. So give them a try if you haven't already. I feel like, you know, it's a really popular product, but it's 100% worth the hype. And I promise you, your quality of sleep is going to improve so much. And your eye area will thank you that you don't have some gnarly mask tugging at it and aging you overnight. So with that, let's dive into the show with Allison. Okay, so Allison, you were producer and TV host for a long time. What is the craziest story that you have from your time in the media industry? 
That is a really good question. So I have interviewed so many people like mm-hmm. George Clooney, Angelina Jolie. I did fashion weeks for years, um, all different designers. But I think one of the craziest things that happened was I was interviewing Donna Karen mm-hmm. and it was her 50th anniversary at this thing called Fashions Night Out. And this was like in 2012 when people were trying to make Fashions Night Out a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like after the economy was like gone to shit in 2009. And so we, we had all these parties lined up that we were interviewing talent at. So it was Donna Karen's like 50th anniversary and uh, she was blowing out a cake as I was interviewing her. We were catching it all on camera and her hair caught on fire. Like what? So we have like this thing that went super viral. I know it was so bad. She reached over. Claire Danes is next to me. We're like doing this interview and like poof. And her hair was like not in great condition. So it was just like, yeah. Cameras came off. It was really crazy. I felt so bad for her. Luckily, she was okay. Oh my god! Like, how much of her hair? I mean, it seemed like a lot at the time, but I afterwards it didn't. It wasn't that much. It was probably like a little, like a little chunk right here. Um, but yeah, so it was really, really crazy, and she like handled it like a champ. But that was one of the crazier things. But it's hard. Like so many things have happened. Like I've I've snuck into like the Vanity Fair party before. Like I've done all sorts of <laughs> wild things. It wasn't always on camera. <laughs> that is so funny. So. When you like when you did sneak into, for example, the Vanity Fair party and like all these crazy things you did, do you feel like you had to take those risks to like further your career? Because I feel like people have these like really crazy stories of stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. And it's been like, oh, I, I did that, but it like had a major payout. I wouldn't say I had a major payout for these things, but you have to remember like this is the height of celebrity entertainment news. This is like 2008 to 2013 when I was really doing things that were a little less on camera and more in like the reporter world. And so you kind of had to get that tidbit in order to keep your job. I was a celebrity reporter. So whether it was like, you know, driving up to follow someone to see if they were dating someone or like doing stuff like sneaking into a Vanity Fair party or I mean, I would drive all over like, oh, so and so we think there's a funeral here, like show up. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to go do it. So I did feel like at the time I had to do it to further my career. But then I, I quickly learned that celebrity news wasn't really for me. I Mm -hmm. I enjoy more like lifestyle. Like I don't really care about spying on people's lives. And I think that's like more of a timely thing. Like Mm -hmm. back then people cared about that. And now people respect people's privacy a little bit more. Yeah, 100%. I feel like the whole landscape has changed. Yeah. So how did you evolve? Like, what do you mean lifestyle? Like define lifestyle. Like how did you kind of evolve your career when that, when like, I guess this transition happened and you felt that way too? Well, I always wanted to be like a linear television host. So something Mm -hmm. like a Ryan Seacrest, but you know, to get there, you have to be a reporter really Mm -hmm. in that world. So I, I interned at E and then worked in their live events production department for a while, did like the Oscars. It was just so fun. And then ultimately became a reporter for Hollywood Life. And that's when I was like, this is too intense for me. Like mm-hmm. I just wasn't cut out to be a celebrity entertainment reporter. So I was trying to look for other things that made sense to me. And this this was really when the lifestyle sites were starting to have their full moment, like the Pop Sugars and Refinery29s of the world were just getting started. Who, what, where? So I actually worked at Who, what, where first. Um, and Catherine Power gave me my first hosting job. I did Real Girls, Real Style and then went to Pop Sugar as their fashion host. And so by lifestyle, I mean, we were still reporting on celebrity, but like w- through a fashion lens or a mm-hmm. beauty lens. And that made me feel like better at night too, you know? So like we could talk about your outfit, but like not talk about who you're dating. That's fine with me. And I like that. Like even just from a consumer standpoint, like yeah. I, I love like seeing like who's wearing what and, you know, like current beauty trends and all of that. But I don't necessarily care about maybe like who's dating who. And I see these stories and it's, I don't know, it always feels like, okay, but what if it were me? I wouldn't necessarily like that. Right. That's what I, the perspective thing definitely helps you kind of navigate your own North star. Like, Mm -hmm. would I want that to be said about me? Totally. I don't know about that. So what's your like favorite celebrity you've ever reported on or like interviewed or any like major stories that stick out that you've kind of like again, mm. reported on that you've really loved? My favorite interview was Cara Delevingne because she was just just coming up at the time. This is like backstage, I think at I want to say Diane von Furstenberg. She was opening the show. She was really short for a model. So I remember she she was like 5'7", like not that much taller than me. And she was just so fun and raw and cool. And I remember that was just a standout moment because all the other models or like backstage people I had mm-hmm. interviewed were so like stoic and like really scary and intimidating. Uh, she was just like, I think she threw an olive like mid-interview like and caught it in her mouth. And I was just like, <laughs> who is this person? And then she became this like really famous model. So that one really stuck out to me because because she was also like LGBT kind of curious at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, married, I'm engaged to a woman. So I thought like she was just very fascinating to me to see someone like her in the media. 
So that was a big one. And then, I mean, who else have I loved that I've interviewed? I mean, I was a huge Angelina Jolie fan. So when I got to interview her at the Salt premiere, that was pretty cool for me. She's like very intimidating. Michael Kors was always really fun and like really jovial cool. and gave me like lots of great interviews throughout the years. So those are probably my favorites. I feel like all three of these, I can I can kind of imagine it from like, yeah. <laughs> you know, based on like even their personas from like the outside. Like totally. I feel like Cara Delevingne would be like really fun. Fun, like funny and like asking you questions back and you're like, am I doing the interview or are you doing the interview? <laughs> Britney Spears was a big one too. I forgot <gasps> that I interviewed Britney Spears. Oh my God. That was a sk- that was also, I was very intimidated because they were like, whatever you do, don't touch Britney. And I was like, what do you mean touch Britney? And I did accidentally touch Britney and I did get kicked out because I asked for a photo at the end and I put my arm around her. Oh no. It's fine. I was so obsessed with her when I was little. I made my dad write her like a fan letter when I was like seven or eight years oh old. God. I was like, it was like, <laughs> I was really young. And That's funny. It, like, it's still like a family story. My dad loves to tell it. And like she, like her, her agent or someone on her team like wrote back, this is like early days in Britney's Stop. career. Yeah. So he's fan mail. <laughs> so funny. That's epic. You know, so he sent it. That's a good dad. My parents probably would have not sent it. They're no, like, he sent it. I, I Like I sat there, I, I saw the whole thing and I was like, send it. <laughs> oh my God. That is funny. Well, she responded. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a highlight in my life, to be honest. Yeah. Free Britney. <laughs> poor girl. Exactly. Exactly. So what kind of personality do you need to succeed in media? Like what are the kind of challenges you have to be prepared for? What what words of advice would you give to someone who's maybe curious about that career path? There's so many things with this, but I think the one thing you have to be very comfortable with is people telling you no. You're going to get so many no's. It's an audition-based business, so you could be great at what you do, but they could be looking for a certain type, a certain person. You're really casted in a way, like you're casted to be, you know, an actor or a musician. So, you know, you really have to be prepared for people to not like you or to pick apart things about your personality. Because if you're going to be a host, you know, it really is about you being the best version of yourself. And sometimes that's just not enough for that particular role. So, and that also helped me a lot with building my business, Mara, because you get no's all the time and you have to be okay to be able to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to try something else. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work on this. So that's big. And then also I think media has changed a lot. When I started, you didn't have your own platform to create your own opportunity. You know, you had to rely on a huge media outlet to, you know, be you as the host for that. But you can be the host of your own network now, which Mm -hmm. is really crazy and exciting. So I think figuring out where you feel most comfortable on social media and like really pursuing that at first. Yeah, I mean, that's really smart. And I I honestly agree with you. Like, I know that like I've not been necessarily in media, but just having a blog Mm -hmm. and starting that, I always say that that was like perfect training for being a business owner because the amount you're told no and like I feel like it's almost beneficial to have like a career prior to starting like your own business because you get really comfortable with being told no and just are okay with like okay like it's just nothing personal you just have to get used to it. Totally. Yeah. I think the no thing is is major because, as you know, it happens all the time. Like, all the time. You know, when you're reaching out to retailers or, you know, you want to do a certain collaboration, like you just have to be prepared for people to be like, no. Yeah. And then they do say yes eventually. And you're like, yes. Yeah, I know. I know. It's and it like I remember even when I was younger and I had my blog and, you know, I would be told no all the time. And like initially it would sting a little bit. But then after that, you're like, whew. Yeah, you stop caring. You stop caring. The first ones, they always suck. I mean, no is never fun, but you learn how to, you know, navigate it. A hundred percent. Get no more often. (laughs) Totally. Hey guys, it's Gabby from What's Gabby Cooking and seeing as how we've all got a little extra time on our hands at home, um, hello, social distancing, let's get down to business in the kitchen. Come hang every Monday while we talk about all things food and I answer your burning questions about cooking, ingredients, swaps, tips and tricks, etc. I'm also gonna be highlighting super rad small businesses and we're gonna be learning about other incredible makers in the food world and who even knows what else. Anything's fair game in 2020, right? What's Gabby cooking in the wild? Here we come. So in media, you're exposed to, I'm guessing, like so many different types of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're like exposed to a lot of people, like a lot of stuff happening all at once. How do you protect your energy? Ooh, how do you protect your energy? Well, I've always been very positive. I'm very like optimistic. I think that you create the energy that you absorb. So if you don't want to be absorbing people's bad energy, like 
I just rely on myself for my own my own feeling. So I know that that's not for everyone. Some people are empaths and they pull in everything from mm-hmm. around them. But I've learned to kind of shield myself from that in a way, just through years of being around, like you said, all different sorts of people. And when you're a performer, you know, you could have a talent come in and you never know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. They could have had a shitty day and they still have to be here and do the interview. And maybe they're rubbing off on you in, in a way that's not good. But your job is to make it fun. I mean, you're the host right now. Your job is to to make it exciting and lively. If someone's uncomfortable or having a bad day, you know, you really have to be the performer. So I think you've got to be very, very um, strong in your own energy space when you're doing this. Yeah, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Like, I'm, I'm actually exactly the same as you in terms of my personality. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I have to focus on my own positivity and yep. like not let other things through because otherwise, I don't know, like... It, it kind of ruins your day. <laughs> it could, yeah. My my fiance is a celebrity hair colorist, and she has some times where she like she really takes on people's energy because mm-hmm. she's sitting with them for like hours. Yeah. You know, our interviews are a lot shorter than like a six hour hair color process. So sometimes she comes home and she's like, "I am literally a therapist," and I feel so bad for her because she's quiet and much less guarded with her own energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely taxing on some people. A hundred percent. So tell me about this pivot you made from media to brand founder. Like tell me the whole story behind like what led to that. Did you know you wanted to start your own skincare line? Like give me the whole spiel. So the short answer is yes. I've always wanted to create my own skin or beauty line. I was unsure of where it would lie. My family created beauty products my entire life. So going to commercial shoots and feeling products and coming up with product names and talent and how to market them has always been a big part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so we were always developing concepts when I was younger. Like that was our dinner table talk. So when I started my career as, you know, a host, I really thought in the early uh, early 2010s, like I wanted to create a line of some sort. And I thought that my hosting career was going to kind of be that that way where I had enough visibility to create it. And in an essence, it kind of did. Mm-hmm. But sadly, in 2015, um, the second show that I was on, which mm-hmm. I loved, it was like my dream show. It was on Pop TV. I co-hosted it with Sinead Grimes and Becca Frucht. And it was called um, Pop, oh my God, what was it called? Pop Sugar Now. And so it was on at 5 p.m. And we would toss to Schitt's Creek. And it was like an hour-long entertainment news show. That's really when Instagram took off, when people Mm -hmm. had blogs and celebrities were taking to their own accounts to share news. So you didn't really need to wait till 5 p.m. to get your fix of what happened that day. I think we saw like a cultural shift at the time, too, just where people's time and energy was going. It was on their phones and not on the screen. So I kind of thought back to myself, like I've been doing YouTube videos since 20, since 2008 Mm -hmm. for other brands like Pop Sugar, Refinery, all over the the web doing tutorials. And I just didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I wanted to do something that felt a little bit more meaningful. And so I was on a trip to Istanbul, Turkey with my family. Um, We were on the Sea of Marmara. And I was like, Mara, that's the last four letters of my last name. That would be really cool for a concept that I kind of been coming up with an algae-based clean line. Mara also means sea in Gaelic, Mm -hmm. and my family were Irish citizens and U.S. citizens, so kind of paid homage to my background, and then took the early stages, as you know, building a brand, finding a formulator, starting to look at packaging, went to all of the different, um, I call them like ingredient festivals, but that is not the name. I'm sure someone (laughs) in the industry would be like, that girl has no idea what she's talking about, but I went to like Cosmoprof and, um, you know, Make LA, and I would travel to all these and just learned information and met with different labs, and all those exercises led to the development of my first product that I launched in 2018. And we've grown from there. So were you working like full time in media while launching Mara or were you like, had you like kind of left your job fully to focus fully on this? So after the television show, I had left my full time job, but I was mm-hmm. still actively working and I still actively work for other brands. Still, mm-hmm. I consult, I do digital content creation. Um, right now, I currently oversee Main Addicts, which is Jen Atkins' website, um, so which is really, really great. And I love having, I love doing multiple things, especially, you know, as a brand founder, like you literally breathe your brand all day. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to like have a podcast or like do something else totally. where you're just like releasing yourself for a moment. But during those early days, I was actually working at Refinery29, creating a beauty series called Skin Deep. Mm-hmm which I had created, ideated, and hosted the first few episodes of and a few other series for them. And then just doing kind of like random work. I was with Sephora as one of their um, Sephora squads back in the early days. And I did like a deal with L'Oreal. So still was actively working while ideating. Really cool. And tell me about the early days of 
founding a brand because I feel like, you know, brands pop up and from the outside in, it looks like, oh, like, you know, that brand just it came out of the blue and it, yeah. wow, like amazing. What's like su- such success. But as a founder, you know, there's like a hundred million things prior to mm-hmm. what was the process like of, you know, finding your brand identity, like having the perfect formulation, like settling on the whole algae idea and getting it out to market. Tell me about that whole process. It was a really long process. We spent two years developing the proprietary algae blend that we use throughout all of our products, Mm -hmm. clinically tested. So it plumps, firms, smooths. We really wanted to do things the right way. And I think that is both coming from my dad's background, who helped me a lot with the early, just kind of like, where the hell do I, where do I do? Like, where do I go? Um, So that was really helpful, you know, doing all of the legal shit. Very important. Make sure you trademark your name, get all that stuff before you fall in love with that or you know, worse, create packaging. Really good tip. Yeah. Say you fall in love with a name, you printed all these, you bought 10,000 bottles, you put your name on it, and then you don't have the name. Like, I have friends that that's happened to. So, you know, all those things are very important first steps. But I think the biggest thing was, you know, creating the brand story, which felt really natural. Mm -hmm. Mara being my part of my last name and tying into this algae story that Mm -hmm. has a really home tie to us with Ireland. We use um, two types of algae from Northern Ireland as well. So, it really took shape easily in our bottles. I, I knew I wanted to do something that was blue. This was at the time of all the millennial pink brands, like Glossier really being huge. Mm-hmm. So if you open, you've got it there, you can kind of see it. Um, the blue is very so signature to us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to feel like this ocean story that was like kind of unfolding before your eyes. So that did take work. We didn't hire a branding agency. I didn't even know those existed. That would have been much easier. Um, so I actually put all of that together myself. The artwork on the top is created by a female painter that I commissioned for that every single box actually is a different piece created by different painters. But I didn't hire like anyone. I just stitch fixed it like all on there and then had a designer kind of like finesse it. And I still do that to this day. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, no. So. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's literally an extension of me. I, I always like to say when you, when you get Mara. I mean, that's really, really beautiful. Wow. Um, tell me about the research and development process behind the whole algae thing. Like, what was that like? Because I know for us, it took us a year and a half to formulate our products prior to going to market at all. Like mm-hmm. there was so much R&D involved in like finding the right formulator. What was it like for you to find the right formulator for you guys? It was tough. I mean, it was tough, but it was also very clear. We ended up going with a close family friend who is an amazing formulator and since actually, I think, borderline retired, but that's okay. Um, and she's really been so integral to the development of the product. She understands what I'm trying to create and she is amazing with algae and clean formulas. So it was a no-brainer. But with Mara, we actually own our formulas. Mm-hmm. So I work with an individual, like a individual you know, lab and then take it to a manufacturer and they scale up my my recipes, which I know a lot of people do like turnkey formula. So I think that's where you're really seeing a difference with a lot of the Mara products. Um, it took two years to develop the proprietary blend and five years total to get, or four and a half years total to really get the universal face oil out. Wow. And most of our products take about three years to fully formulate because we do go through clinical testing for all of those products. We do major R&D on all of our actives. So if we're giving like you a retinol, we really want to make sure it's actually improving your skin, that you will see like a visible improvement in your skin with extended use. The sunscreen we just launched, I mean, that has taken me probably the longest out of all of them. Sunscreen is gnarly to create because it is an OTC drug. So there's so much more involved with um, FDA regulation and making sure you pass all your assay testing. And if you want to go to Europe, that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I want to talk about the fact that you own your formulation because it's the same for us Mm -hmm. and it's exactly the same in the wellness category as well where you can just go to a lab and white label something that already exists and put it out into the world and it's the same with beauty. Why is it so special that you own this formulation? Well, I wanted to really own my ideas and I really spend so much time, like yes, I'm not a chemist, but I have done you know, hours and hours, I'd say tens of hours of research for each product on what I want in it. It's not like I just roll up to them and say, hey, I want to create a retinol product with Mm -hmm. algae in it. Like I give very specific instructions on what I think would be amazing fits for the formula. And then they usually like take that in mind, give me, you know, a proposal of what they think, you know, suppliers, all of that would go well in the product. And then we actually get to creating it. And sometimes we have to got to make lots of tweaks, sometimes less tweaks, but 
that whole process it takes a really long time. I also wanted full transparency on the full cycle approach of our suppliers. So I wanted access to the people that were giving me the raw materials for these products. I think if you are going through a white label kind of situation, you have no eyes on if your product actually yep. is gluten-free or if they are not adding in, you know, something else into that product or diluting it in some way. So I wanted full eyes on everything. I'm sure that's why you did it too. Oh, exactly. Like we, we were like so particular yeah. because you just don't know. You don't know. Like you don't know. Like we are on everyone's ass to make sure that it's like the highest grade and like that's only stuff you can do if you own your own formulation otherwise like it's just like totally you you just have to take what you're getting or even like you know so you use a certain type of organic jojoba oil but that supplier wasn't available if you don't have eyes on what they're creating they could easily switch it on you and Mm -hmm. yes it might have the same specs but is it the same you know way that you want it to be sourced where does it come from is it close to your manufacturer if you're trying to reduce carbon emissions like there's a whole full cycle approach that goes into it so yeah I think it's super important but not practical for everyone yeah they're very expensive as you know it's super expensive but I mean like I think it's a decision that brands make based on what's important to them or, mm-hmm. or not, you know, and like there's like priorities for different people. Like for us, we were like you, right? Like that was like all those things that you've listed were all super important to us. So totally. and like a lot of other beauty brand founders as well that I've spoken to have kind of said the same thing, like especially like in the clean makeup category. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like a thing that's really stuck out to me. And like, in fact, like my favorite clean beauty product brands have like have that philosophy so I just think it's really interesting wait what are they um say oh as I'm wearing today I thought so but I didn't want to say it yeah I'm wearing slip tint it's my favorite my favorite it's so good it is unbelievable like I text Lainey like the founder all the time I'm like Lainey like this this sunscreen like what like what is this like this tinted it's so good I wear it actually on top of our Mara sunscreen because I like I need all the SPF I can get and she actually taught me on um, a live we did the other week Mm -hmm. to kind of use it as like you would use like a concealer yeah so I'll do like my sunscreen and then I'll put it on kind of like extra and it's really nice just kind of like around the eyes to like you know help with any discoloration and I'm wearing her dewy blush too I just love yeah I have I have like the dewy blush in my bag as well yeah big say fans here (laughs) (laughs) So, so like you have this amazing product this formula like this beautiful packaging how do you get it out into the market like because I think that people underestimate what goes into that to find product market fit to get it in front of customers what was your journey like well I will say ignorance is bliss (laughs) I honestly did this as like a fun exercise like I didn't know I was creating a, a brand that would be sold all over the world I mean yes And, you know, when we launched it, I was like, this would be really cool if, like, people used it. But, like, I had created 5,000 units that I was like, who knows? Maybe my friends and I are going to be using this for a long time. You know, I I launched D2C with, you know, aspirations of being in retailers, but just brought this brand to market with my little Instagram, pushed it out, and it started picking up really quickly. And I think it's because I had media contacts at, you know, with big bloggers who I had had on my show at Pop Sugar or uh, makeup artists that were you know, working on, they were smaller at the time when I met them, but working on real talent, big talent at this point. And those were all integral to the kind of early retailers that we signed on with. Credo Beauty was our first retailer, which is an amazing clean retailer. And I wanted to launch- They're hard. They're hard. That's incredible. Good for you. Thank you. And I wanted to launch with someone clean because I felt like we don't use clean so much in our marketing jargon Mm -hmm. because I didn't want that to be, I didn't want to be trendy. I want this to be like a brand that's around for, you know, tens of, you know, hundreds of years, hopefully. Hundreds would be great. You know, that's a long time. But, you know, I wanted this to be something that didn't feel like it was part of a wave of something. And even Mm -hmm. though we were the early onset of the clean wave, I wanted to use our retailers to tell that story versus making it as a part of like, you know, we don't use this, we don't use that because it's not what's about what's not in the product. It's about what's in the product for us. So Credo was early for us. And then we took it international very quickly. We had interest from Cult Beauty. So, you know, you don't turn up, turn up an opportunity like that. I had met the woman who is the head of um, their West Coast, actually U.S. market merchants. So I met her at a away party through Jen Atkin. And, you know, since then we've been at Cult and they were incredible to our you know, international distribution. And from there, I just really picked the people that feel like that makes sense for our customer. Like, where do I shop? Do I want to shop Mara there? Then that's kind of where I take us, you know? Yeah, really cool. I want to talk about the, the the topic we were talking about a little bit before, which is being told no. So oh, yeah. <laughs> in those early stages of starting your brand, do you remember like any instances where you were told no and like it was like, oh, shit. 
we're told no a lot, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. there are retailers that we're not in that I'd love to be in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're told no because I feel like timing is so important. Totally. And we have to remember that. And that's the one thing that I always remind myself. If it's like, I haven't had, knock on wood, like, really crazy no's. Like, I hate your products. We They suck. You know, I haven't had anything that's really hurt to the soul. Mm-hmm. But it's more like, oh, we don't feel like this feels a white space in the market, which to me seems crazy. It stands yeah. out on a shelf. It's blue. It's totally clean algae baseline that uses like highly efficacious actives. We were the first clean retinol to market. So, I mean, there are, we do have a lot of first to market formulas. So when people say it doesn't fill a white space, of course you're like, well, what the hell else can I do to make it different? <laughs> you know, but, but I think in due time, it's all about timing and, and really the world gives you what you're ready for. Yeah. And so places that I was really sad that we weren't in at the time, we're in now. Mm-hmm. And places that we're not currently in, I'm sure we'll be in in three years. So it's really about that, that, you know, appropriate growth for your brand. And also we're entirely self-funded. So, you know, everything that we've done, um, we're able to, you know, kind of sustain as is. And I think if we're going to take on a major, major retailer, we would have to take some sort of like, you know, series or round of funding, which I know you just went through. So I have to ask you questions after this about that. (laughs) We'll we'll get into it afterwards. Um, That's, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And I'm totally with you as well. Like a lot of times, like things haven't worked out initially, but like somehow like, just it was it was like a timing thing and mm-hmm. then like suddenly like it's like a yes later on so I feel like you know going back to what we were talking about I feel like you almost can't take it personally and yep. also like I think that you like you have to be on it like and like realize like especially with retailers I feel like it's nothing personal it's like more so like okay it's like not right for them at that point but doesn't mean it's not going to be right for them later on of course yeah it's like I take nose as a not right now and I've exactly. always I've always done that, and I think it's the only way to keep yourself sane. Mm-hmm. The worst with retailers, though, is no response. I'm not going to lie. So if you're getting a no response, maybe think about your approach. Uh, that's that's one thing I would definitely push on as a piece of advice. If you keep reaching out to people and no one's responding back to you, I think you need to do an inner look at your email, your brand, your pitch, your products, all that stuff. A hundred percent. So let's go into the nitty gritty of the products themselves. What is the deal with algae? Why algae? Why is it great for your skin? Algae is so, I could go on and on about this forever. I mean, there's a reason why so many brands have used algae over the years, Mm -hmm. but I really wanted to do algae in a clean, efficacious way. Algae is an incredible source of life nutrients. It's the building block of life. So it only uses the sun to create its, its, you know, food, which I think is amazing. It's really, really great in like B-complex vitamins, all of your phytonutrients, all of your trace minerals, which are really great for skin health. I mean, clinically proven to help with aging. So great for fine lines and wrinkles, um, helping with trans epidermal water loss. So plumping up the skin, acting as hyaluronic acid. Yeah, it's amazing. Stimulating collagen synthesis. And there's so many types of algae. We're still discovering new types of algae every single day. It's one of the few things that we're still literally discovering new species of. So it almost feels like the opportunity is endless. And the one that we use, we use two types of brown algae and plankton as the base. Mm -hmm. And then we also use different types of algae depending on the formula. So we'll add to that depending on what the formula needs. Really cool. And what got you interested in algae to begin with? Like, did you have like an aha moment with your own skin? Sort of. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. I've always felt like the the ocean was just like this amazing source of life nutrients and places where we find solstice when we're stressed out. And there's a reason why when you go on vacation and you're in the ocean, your skin looks so good. It like changes your skin. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It really like, does, right? No, seriously. Like whenever last summer, um, or sorry, the summer before that, one of the summers I was like in the ocean a lot. And I swear like one week later, my skin was like glowier than before. It just looked more youthful, I feel like. It does. I mean, the ocean is amazing. Depending on what part of the world you're in too, you'll Mm -hmm. you'll notice different skin benefits. But I always felt that there was something to this. And then I was looking to legacy brands like a La Mer that I was always inspired by. But this is at the time when I was trying to really eliminate things like silicones and dimethicone and different, you know, phthalates and pegs from just everything. So I wanted to do it in a way that spoke to me that felt glamorous and luxurious and iconic, but, um, you know, kind of didn't have those things in it. Totally. Why did you want to eliminate all those things? 
Well, so many different reasons, but for getting makeup, full makeup, remember I was a host for almost eight years, television show makeup every single day. I've always had really great skin. You know, that was kind of my thing. I've been Mm -hmm. using retinol since I was a kid, thanks to my dad, and had really great skin quality, but noticed that with daily use of really intense makeup, that I was getting unbelievable skin clogging, dehydration like nothing else. And I was putting on, you know, all these different products, but wasn't really seeing anything that was happening. And so kind of went down to my makeup first. First, I started with clean deodorant. I feel like that's everyone's gateway drug. Okay, what is your favorite one? I actually need to know. Like I'm asking for myself. (laughs) I like two. I love routine, Uh which is amazing, but you still sweat with them. So you still sweat, but it's great for like blocking the scent. Routine is amazing. Mm -hmm. I use Superstar. And then I also love Taos. I think it's Mm T-A-O-U-S by Air, A-E-R. They sell it, I think, at Target. It's really, really good. They have have a Palo Santo um, scent that's so good. And a Blood Orange that I really like, too. Um, So, yeah, those are both amazing. But I feel like deodorant's the gateway drug. So I switched that. And then... I couldn't switch all my makeup, but I started you know, not wearing the makeup as much. And then when I stopped hosting, I was like, oh my God, my skin can breathe. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pinpointed it down to silicones that were drying out my skin because they act kind of like little pore plugs. Yeah. So even if they're not clogging your pores, they do kind of bear your skin from absorbing moisture and breaking them down is really, really hard. So I kind of started using cleaner makeup at the time and there was not a lot of options yeah. in 2014, 2015. Oh, it was like the wild, wild yeah. west back then. And started trying to look at skincare too. And there, you know, Tata Harper was, you know, a big source of inspiration for me. She was one of the first to kind of really do it right. And so, but there weren't options. There weren't mm. a lot of options. So I felt like there really was, you know, an opportunity to tell a new type of story. So interesting. And it's so true. Like I, I've like now switched over a lot of my makeup um, to Clean Beauty. And I love that now Clean Beauty brands are actually functional too, because there was a point where it was like, I I didn't want to use Clean Beauty brands because they just weren't functional. And now it's like, I was looking through my makeup bag the other day and it wasn't an intentional thing, but I was like, holy crap, like 90% of my products are clean right now because they're actually like so good. That's amazing. And really when you talk about functionality, yes, in the, you know, Back in a few years ago, it was harder to formulate. There were less, you know, preservatives that weren't parabens, you Mm -hmm. know, offered to you. But there are so many slick preservative profiles that are really robust and then can do the job of like a paraben or something like a phenoxyethanol, Mm -hmm. which was widely used for a lot of organic products back in the day, both of which we try and steer clear from. But we obviously don't want like shit to grow in our products. We want to make sure they're (laughs) properly, um, you know, properly preserved. So I've always been forward thinking when it comes to science, like they have to work. They have to be preserved. They have to be shelf stable. But you know, how do we do this in a new way. Totally. Like I was at some sort of, pro- oh, it was uh, with Dr. Dennis Gross's team. Oh, love them. And um, it was Carrie. And she was like, you know, it's really like, it's a nice ritual that you can put avocado on your face, but it's like not actually being really absorbed or doing the things that a great serum does. So it's like, how do you have those natural components, but in a way that's actually absorbed by your skin and there's a scientific element behind it because it's just the avocado you have lying on your like kitchen counter, putting it on your face, it's not really going to do all that much, you know? Yeah. Well, it's all about your molecular weight of the formula. So what does it need to be, you know, carried through the skin to make sure it's getting into those deeper layers to really have efficacy hundred percent. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I want to talk about specifically your algae enzyme cleansing oil, because I've seen it a lot. I saw that Haley Bieber used it. She did. Thank you, Haley. (laughs) I'm sure it was a big moment for you. Tell me about the product and the process behind how it came to be. Why is it so special? Why are people obsessed with it? Well, it's an amazing product. Thank you, Haley Bieber. That was such a surprise. And so I was so like, it was so crazy. And yes, we haven't been able to keep that product on the shelf since I that can happened, imagine. which is really exciting for a smaller brand like Mara. But the idea for it was I wanted to do something that was like a cleansing oil that had a nice non-fake scent. A lot of the cleansing oils I was gravitating towards were overly fragrant at the time obviously in the clean space. So I'm not even looking at things that are not clean at this point. Um, But I wanted it to have a slight exfoliation. So when you use the product, Mm. there are four types of fruit enzymes that have just the slightest bit of grit to what's normally like a very slick, oily formula. And I think it's that grit that really attracts people because it really does get off every trace of makeup. You can use it around the eye area to remove 
eye makeup so it's really safe for that part of the face. But it has like that extra little texture that's still safe enough for, you know, morning and night use, but really kind of helps physical as well as chemical exfoliate the skin. Um, so I think people really love that about it. I think they also love its versatility. Usually a cleansing oil has to be used on totally dry skin. Mm-hmm. You add water to it. That's when it emulsifies and you rinse off. This you can use on damp or dry skin. It'll, yeah, it'll still emulsify. So if you're someone who likes a traditional cleanse, like, you know, and by that I mean wet the face, put on the product, and then, you know, suds the product, this will still do that. We've had a lot of guys who say that too. They love it for that. And you can also use it as a light peel for like deeper exfoliation or as a shaving shaving oil. So guys love it as like a shaving product for the face. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's, it's very like multi-use, kind of like the universal face oil. It has, you know, different functionalities. That is incredible. I mean, I, I, I got to try this. It I'll send it incredible. to you. It's, it's, we're out of stock now, but we're getting more in next week. So we're, we're good. That gives me so much anxiety, you know, going out of stock. It's oh. just like, and your retailers being like, I want it first. And you're like, girl, I want it first too. <laughs> I don't even have it. I'm using another cleanser right now because I don't even have my own. So. Oh God. I, I get it. Like going out of stock is blessing and a curse right it it really is because like people are so upset but and you're trying to get it to them there's nothing you can do it's like the raw material is literally not here i'm not holding it from you it's not here i know i know it's it's like really just the most tragic problem but i mean a blessing and a curse because people love it but at the same time like holy crap the anxiety as a business owner oh man i can get into it and like talk about it all day long i want to talk about your time in media and what it taught you that you directly applied or can apply to your career as a brand founder? I think being a really great storyteller. So, and I think that is what really shapes the Mara brand so nicely. Each product I unfold like a story. I assign two words that exemplify the meaning of the product. And we kind of create like a little hashtag for every product that we create or a little slogan. And that really comes from creating content like buzzy headlines, I think, as someone who is a segment producer and a television host for so many years. I think the way of telling a story in a really short amount of time has been integral to Mara's success. Really cool. Um, What is one tip you would give to yourself if you could speak to yourself back when you started Mara? Get ready. No, I would say you, you learn to like not sweat the things that are actually kind of small that seem really big at the time. So I think just having like a little less anxiety, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head around, you know, lead times or production lead times or having to tell people you just don't have it ready then. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't put so much pressure on yourself because you're going to miss deadlines all the time. You're going to have to push product launches. You know, something will not arrive. You're going to go through COVID, girl. You're going <laughs> to you're going to be okay. <laughs> like things are going to get a lot more challenging. So I think just yeah, just getting like, giving yourself a little bit more room to relax. I think that's such a valuable tip because I think that as a brand founder, anytime like you have your own little thing, it's like your baby, right? Mm-hmm. And all you have is anxiety around all of the things. Like all of it. I remember when we launched Array, like every little thing would, I'd just be like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And I think you just almost get like acclimated to like Mm-hmm. Shit going wrong all the time. Correct. Putting out fires, we say. My little founder group and I were like, you're, we're literally, we're like firemen. Yeah. Yeah. Just little and fires everywhere. Exactly. And the other, like the one valuable tip that I know, and like, I'm sure you can relate is like, you have to pick which fires you have to let burn mm-hmm. because others are just too big and it needs your energy. And like, fuck, fuck that little problem, you know, yep. like there's always going to be little, little ones like everywhere, you know? So it's like, which major one do you want to put out first? Yeah. What's, yeah. What's the priority? And mm-hmm. it really, it really helps you prioritize things too. I think, you know, okay. One, you know, something that might seem big at the time, like, you know, an insert card obviously is take, doesn't take precedence to something like a retailer having an issue with one of your, you know, products or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's like just learning to prioritize and like not letting things freak you out is so important. Patient, yeah. Calmness. I'm trying to learn calm. We got to, we got to get you our calm capsules, yes. girl. Like, come on. <laughs> I need those. As a founder, you're pulled in a hundred different directions and especially you because you're still doing main addicts mm-hmm. right now. How do you manage? Like, what are your top productivity tips? What are the things you've learned along the way? So I use my inbox as my to-do list. Mm-hmm. And so what I do with that is I will kind of check my email, all my emails in the morning and really like kind of go through and delete like the crap 
and then not open the stuff that's really important. And then I assign like a time, like, okay, I'm going to go through Mara right now. I'm going to go through main addicts right now. I'm going to go through my personal right now. So I still do a lot of personal like work too. So I'll kind of in that order do that on Mondays and then really kind of prioritize my week. Like Tuesdays are my main addicts day. So I'm kind of fully devoted to them on that day and anything else I have to do for personal brands. And then Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are really like go days for Mara um, because I'm with my team on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday in person. We really try and tackle like the brainstorming and all of that stuff on those days when we're together. And then getting out um, any ideation I like to do on Fridays. I know that sounds weird after a long week, but like I'm at my house, I'm by myself. I don't have to worry about you know answering to anyone or answer, talking to anyone. And that's really when I ideate things. I love that. Do you block off that day for ideation where you're not taking calls? I try to. I do some trainings in the morning with some of our smaller retailers mm-hmm. because we're at like a little over 600 doors. I like to constantly try and do um, new trainings with either individual stores at like a Blue Mercury or you know smaller stores like a Shen Beauty. And so, yeah, I try and do like those in the morning and then save the afternoon to just kind of think. That's, I mean, it's smart. I like, I've now gotten to a point where I have to block off days where I just can't take calls anymore. It's unbelievable how many calls, calls. pop out of the blue as a founder. Like I've never in my like, life. Really, who wants to have even have a call with me? Like why? I'm like, <laughs> it used to be my policy, like text me. And now it's like, no, let's get on a call. <laughs> it's worse. At least it's not an in-person meeting. But everyone knows if you want to torture me, ask me for a phone call. I hate doing phone calls, but I still do them. I do obviously do them. I have a few today. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I th- like I've had to get used to them. Like I, I hadn't for such a long time because like for the longest time I was like email or text. But now like it's just, a, I don't know, phone calls are just part and parcel of like what you have to do as a brand founder and like, I don't yeah, know, better that? get used to it. I don't know. Like everyone needs to have a meeting. I always wanted to have like lots of meetings when I was starting out my career. I'd see like the bigger producers I being like, know. meetings, yay. I want to be in a meeting. And now I'm like, I literally, unless it's a, an emergency, I do not want a meeting. I will do anything to make it a phone call and I will do anything to make it an email. Isn't it so funny how like things which you glamorize in like the younger stages of your career, it's like I, you get into it and you're like, Ugh. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like this, this is just not that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't no one tell me? A hundred percent. You're like, yeah, so envious of people doing things. And then you get there and you're like, I don't want to do this. I know it's it's a whole thing. Um, last question: What are a couple of really tangible skincare tips you can leave our audience with? Ooh, okay. So start incorporating a retinol, like ASAP, one to two nights a week to start. Build to nightly use. I've been using for over two decades. Definitely the secret to my skin health. Using a sunscreen every day, no matter what your skin tone is, it's really important for UVA, which is UV aging, Mm -hmm. and UVB, UV burning rays. So you might not burn, but girl, you still age. So wear a sunscreen. Um, I think drinking lots of water, which is so boring and basic, but it really is important. And good gut health is the secret to great skin. So topical is only going to get you so far. Really focus on a great diet, using things like, you know, your products, like array products. Calmness is really important for skin. Not being stressed. Stress is gnarly for the body, gnarly for the skin. So keeping yourself calm, cool, and collected, whether that's like a yoga class, a workout, a supplement is really important. And then sleep, lots of sleep. I need to have more sleep. I have not been sleeping well. Your skin looks incredible, though. Thank you. So does yours. Thank you. (laughs) I know you went through a little bump and bruise, but your skin is amazing. I I try really hard to take care of. I mean, I do. It's like it's my. I feel like yeah, it's my thing. Like I'm I'm obsessed with skin. But the stress thing, I feel like I just want to call attention to because it is, it is so important for Mm -hmm. good skin. Um, my husband breaks out in eczema. Oh, shit. I have psoriasis, so I get that too. Yeah. So, and people almost like overlook it as a factor. And even like when I go in for my facials, my esthetician knows when I'm going through like highly Mm -hmm. stressful periods because my skin doesn't look the same. It's so crazy. Like it really is a direct result. Your body, your face is in essence like a response of what's going on on the inside. I mean, I had this really cool doctor, Dr. Younger. He's like an- Oh my God. uh, I'm obsessed. He's so good looking. I have read his book. It is so good. I've learned so much from that book. I want to see him, but yes, tell me about- He's amazing. And I actually did a live with him like in deep COVID (gasps) and then I've had the chance to stay in contact with him and he said this very fascinating thing that like if you think of like your mouth and mm-hmm. your like your esophagus that goes down to your stomach your mouth and then your skin is literally like they're all connected like the gut is just 
that's the last, uh, the lining is the last ex, um, the last part of your body mm -hmm. that's actually outside. So when stuff's in your stomach, it's technically like still outside in a way, mm -hmm. and then it gets absorbed through the skin. So if things are getting absorbed through that skin that aren't going well, it's gonna reflect on the skin out here because it's <gasps> the same thing. So he's like, it's kind of like a cavity. That's and I was like, so it makes smart. so much sense. Yeah. Like until the food's been absorbed through that layer, it's still technically like outside of you. And once it goes through that layer, that's what you're seeing show up on your face if it doesn't go well. So I thought that was really interesting. So I really keep that in mind with like everything I'm like, do I really want a Swedish fish or can I eat something that's a healthier, sweet alternative to kick that craving? Yeah, it's true. And it's it's really it, that's such a good tip. He's and fascinating. Like, definitely go check him out. Yeah, I like I love his book. I have to read the book. I haven't read the book. It's actually. really good. Okay, it's, it's really next. good, Allison. Like I, I'm obsessed with skincare books. Um, I also love Dr. Nigma Talib. I don't know if you've yeah, heard of no, it. I follow, I follow, but I haven't read any any books by. It's is it a woman or yeah, it's yeah, a woman. woman yeah. Um, I she was my first interview ever for the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah, and like I, I, I was like, I need to interview this woman because I loved her book and it like changed my life in terms of like the kind of correlation between food and mm -hmm. skin, which is, I mean... So important. So important. But I loved Dr. Younger's book as well. I feel like everyone needs to read both the books. Okay, I'll do that. I'm doing like a lot of audiobooks right now. So Same. It, nah. <laughs> Audible is my favorite thing. Same. I cannot live so without it. that so bad? I don't know. I just... I don't, I don't beat myself up. I'm like, whatever, this is how I can get it in. And I'm like, still learning. exactly. That's what matters. Yeah. Um, if you could pick one Mara product, which people should go try, what would you recommend? That is really so hard because they're all my children. But I would say like the universal face oil mm -hmm. is our most universal product. So if you want something that's going to work on all skin types, tones, textures, it doesn't have any strong actives in it, just the algae actives. It's really just that nice everyday product. That's what I brought you here today. Yeah. Um, and the one we're most known for, that's the one that Chris Chrissy Teigen is promoted and Addison Ray and Olivia Munn. It really is just a great reset. Um, so that would be the product I would suggest for everyone. But a good, great skin starts with a good cleanse. So I'd mm -hmm. say algae enzyme cleansing oil is also really important. If you do nothing else, like, please wash your face. It's true. It's true. Well, everyone go get both. Um, <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you. You can find us um, at The Mara Beauty, which is, you know, our website and our Instagram, as well as um, I'm at Allison McNamara. And you can shop us on our website at Credo, Detox Market, Revolve. And yeah, I hope you guys love it. Amazing. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.